the beach. I've never seen the house travel in the daytime before and never shared a journey with a friend. Laughter shakes my body and a feeling of weightlessness dizzies my mind. My promise to the house is forgotten, left behind in the desert. Nina and I sit at the window, watching landscapes fly past. The house gallops over the desert, kicking up a cloud of fine sand behind it. It heaves itself over steep grey mountains, bounds down into a lush green valley, steps carefully through a jungle and emerges onto the gleaming white sand of a long narrow beach in the early afternoon. The house settles at one end of the beach, the front door just a few paces from the sea. It stretches its long legs out, carefully lowers its huge chicken feet into the water and sighs with pleasure. A cool breeze flows in through the windows carrying the sharp, fresh smells of salt water and sea creatures. Nina's eyes are huge, reflecting the scene with added sparkle. Can we go to the water? she asks eagerly. Soon, I nod. Let me check on my grandmother first. Baba is still asleep, but I know she'll wake soon, so I make sugared black tea and a sliced bread and kielbasa. I take some to Nina, with a little extra for Jack as a peace offering, and go to feed Benji a bottle. When I return, Baba is sipping her tea on the porch and gazing at the ocean. Her white hair drifts out from under her headscarf like a cloud. Isn't it beautiful? I didn't expect to wake here. She pats the balustrade fondly. Maybe the house got hot feet in the desert and needed to cool off. I nod, wondering how I can get Baba back into the house so Nina and I can sneak off. What are you cooking today? I ask. I thought we could have the day off. Baba links her arm through mine. We could go for a swim, laze on the beach, and cook on a campfire under the stars tonight. Just me and you. But the dead, my voice rises, the guiding. Everyone needs a day off now and then. If we don't like the skulls, the dead will go to other Yaga houses. For one night, it will be fine. Baba hops from one leg to the other in an excited little dance. I haven't seen the house soak its feet in years. I think it's a sign. Come on, let's go skinny dipping. No, we have to guide. I... I clutch the first excuse that comes to mind. I only just guided my first dead soul. I want to make sure I can do it again. Of course you'll be able to, but look at this place. Baba lifts her arms like she's presenting me with a beach as a gift. I think the house has brought you here to celebrate your first guiding. Let's have a day of rest and fun. She raises her eyebrows and smiles. I look at the floor. I just want today to be normal. I want you to cook for the dead while I build the fence. That's what we always do. I don't want to go skinny dipping or laze on the beach. The words leave a sour taste in my mouth because they are big, fat lies. I do want to swim and sunbathe, but I want to do it with Nina, not Baba. What's wrong? Baba asks softly. Nothing, I snap. 
You're the one always telling me I should carry the dead, but now I actually want to. You think something is wrong. Baba's face falls. Her legs stop bouncing and she stoops over like an old woman. My heart feels like it's been pulled out. Maybe this is what it feels like to be heartless, all cold and empty inside. I push the feeling away and stomp off the porch. Ignoring the beautiful blue sky, the soft white sands and the calmly lapping waves, I march over to the skeleton store and drag out the bones for the fence. Marinka! Baba calls after me but I ignore her. I push a femur into the sand, my hands shaking. I didn't mean to upset you, she says. We can guide if you want. I nod, but I'm sh too ashamed to look at her. I carry on building the fence. I'll cook then. She shuffles across the porch and the door swings shut. A tear rolls down my cheek and I brush it away, scratching my skin with sand. I'll make it up to Baba. I promise myself I will. I can spend time with her another day. Not today, though. Today has to be about me and Nina. I have to show her the ocean. It is my last chance to spend time with her before she disappears through the gate forever. I carry some bones past my bedroom window and whisper to Nina that we'll be able to go and explore as soon as I've built the fence. She smiles wide, her eyes glittering with sunshine and excitement, and this unknots some of the guilt inside me. Working with the bones calms me too, and I convince myself I'm doing the right thing. It's like I'm making Nina's final wish come true. Even Baba would understand that, I think. Baba steps out and asks if I want some food, but I tell her I'm not hungry. Then she says she's going to have a nap before dusk. She retreats indoors and plays a slow and sorrowful tune on her flute for a while, before silence descends over the house. I wait another half hour to be sure she's asleep and sneak Nina outside. We walk along the shore until we're hidden from the windows by huge drooping palm trees. Nina kicks off her sandals and walks into the gentle frothing waves rolling onto the sand. She giggles and wiggles her toes. Oh, this is wonderful. I smile back at her. Seeing Nina this happy is brilliant. If only Baba hadn't been so disappointed that I didn't want to spend the day with her, then I might be able to shake the ache from my chest. Look! Nina squeals as another wave rolls in, bringing a tiny fish that dart between her toes. I take off my shoes and jump over the waves with her, pushing Baba to the back of my mind. Then we wander along the shore, looking at shells glistening in the sand sea creatures tucked up in calm areas of the shallows. Nina has never seen sea urchins or starfish. Each time I show her something new, her eyes light up with wonder, and I feel her delight burst through me, as if I was seeing them for the first time too. We wade deeper until we're up to our necks in the warm, silky water. This is amazing, Nina beams, her face shiny, her long hair and green scarf swirling around her like kelp. Try lifting your feet off the bottom. I kick my legs up and show Nina how to float on her back like driftwood bobbing on the surface. She copies me and we lay side by side looking up at the bright blue sky 
with the seabirds dipping in and out of view. The waves roll beneath us, lifting us gently up and down, and water flows around my ears. I hear the echoes of the ocean beneath us, and Nina's sighs of pleasure. I never imagined so much water. Nina rolls onto her belly, and her face dips under the waves. It's so salty. It's all right, though. You get used to it. Come with me and keep your eyes open. I sink beneath the surface facing Nina and she joins me, blinking repeatedly till she focuses on my face and smiles. I point down and swim deeper, further out from the shore. I show Nina feathery plants growing on the rippled seabed, crabs scuttling across the sand, and fish swimming peacefully around pillars of light. An octopus appears from nowhere and darts away from us in a cloud of dark ink. Was that an octopus? Nina asks when we burst back through the surface. I've only ever heard stories about them. I wasn't even sure they were real. Can we follow it? We plunge back under the waves and try to follow the octopus, but it's too fast for us. We end up chasing each other through the water instead, in an explosion of bubbles and light. I laugh so much my sides ache and swallow so much salt water that my nose and throat sting. Soon I'm shivering. The water is cooler and the waves are lifting us higher and pulling us lower than before. The thin line of the beach seems to be retreating into the distance. I show Nina how to ride the waves back to shore and we sit on the sand behind some rocks letting the last of the sun's rays warm and dry us. As the sun sinks into the jungle behind the beach, the shadow of the house stretches over us, cold and dark. Goosebumps shiver across my skin. I don't want to go back. I know the house will hold me to my promise. It will show Nina to Baba and force her into the gate. I pull my shawl tight around me and tug on Nina's scarf. Let's walk this way, I say, and pull her further along the beach away from the house and the gate. The coast seems to extend forever, stretching on into the night. A cold wet wind blows off the sea and waves crash alongside us, churning up sand and smashing the water into foam. A few times I think I see creatures writhing in the surf like dark tangled eels, but Nina says I'm imagining it. it. An orange glow appears on the horizon, and as we draw closer, I make out individual lights distorted and reflected in the ocean. It must be a town or a city. I try to judge the size of the settlement, wondering how many living people are there, and if it has a market, a library, or a theatre. I'm cold, Nina whispers. I take off my shawl and drape it around her shoulders. It falls straight through her, pooling on the sand at her feet. I stare at Nina in surprise. She's barely there. I suppose I've been aware of her fading, but it still comes as a shock to see her so, well, dead. Nina looks at the shawl on the floor and wraps her arms around her chest. What's happening to me? Her eyes are wide and transparent. I see the stars in the night sky behind them. Nothing, I answer quickly, raising my hand to reach for hers. 
I lower it again, as I remember I can't touch her. A gust of wind makes me shudder. Something in the jungle screams. What am I doing? Even if we get to the town, what then? It's the middle of the night. I should be at home with Baba, Jack and Benji. I've left them all behind. And for what? Nina is dead, and she's fading away even faster than before. She belongs through the gate. I look at her and think back to what Benjamin said about being lonely, even when you're with people. And I realise that, even though I'm with Nina, I feel completely alone. I glance back in the direction of the house. It's been hours since dusk, but Baba can't have lit the skulls. I would see their glows in the distance if she had. I think I smell ochre on the breeze, but it's probably just the smell of the ocean. All of a sudden, more than anything, I want to go home. I want to have Baba pull me into a hug and feel the house sway beneath my feet. Should we be going that way? Nina follows my gaze along the shore to the house hidden somewhere in the darkness. I feel like we should be going that way. She looks at her hands. Her fingers have almost disappeared completely. What's happening to me? She asks again, her voice shaky. There's no easy way to say the words. My throat tightens. You're dead, I whisper. As soon as a word slip out of my mouth, it's like a weight has been lifted from my shoulders. Oh, she nods. She doesn't seem as surprised as I thought she would be. I stare at my feet and dig my toes into the sand. I'm sorry, I should have told you before. Once I start talking, I can't stop. I tell her about the house, the gate and the guiding of the dead. I tell her she was meant to celebrate her life and prepare for her journey, but I didn't help her because I wanted her to stay and be my friend. I tell her how lonely it can be, living in a house with chicken legs, when you only ever meet the dead and they have to move on every night. I apologise over and over, but it doesn't make me feel any better. In fact, it makes my insides tighten even more hearing the truth out loud. I go on until I have no words left to say, and I'm just staring at her, lost in the moonlight. Are you dead too? she asks. No, I shake my head, of course not. The wind surges, spraying cold water over my face, and I taste salt on my lips. Then why are you fading? 